All right, welcome to another episode of Afro United Podcast. Um, this is episode five, one, two, three, four, five. Can't believe it's already the fifth one already. Um, so I'm excited about it. Um, you know, thanks for everybody that's been listening to us and watching us on YouTube, Instagram, um, Facebook, or wherever you are. Also on uh, Anchor uh, Podcast. So. Uh, thanks for listening to us today. I have great two great guests with me today. Um, obviously, we're on Zoom, so shout out to Zoom again for. <laughs> I always say shout out to Zoom, like they're giving me this for free. I'm still paying for Zoom, so it's not free. But um, you know, we're doing this over Zoom because of social distancing. Um, today, we have great topic to talk about. Um, like I said, I just want to also have a conversation about what's going on right now. Before we get too deep, um, we just go do a little introduction. So uh, we can start with you all and just, you know, talk to the people about yourself and not to go too much details, but just give a little bit so people know what they're talking to. Sure. Hi, everyone. My name is Holland Bolden. Um, happy to be here. Thanks, Moon, for the invite. Um, just to give you a little bit of, you know, context to who I am, um, Boomi and I met probably about three, maybe four years ago through the um, Urban League. I have my Urban League shirt on right now. Um, we did a program. Yeah, I did a fellowship program and we just kind of clicked and um, from there we've been involved in different things and, um, you know, we've been able to kind of launch Indie Black Millennials, which has been great. Um, but outside of that, I work full time at Cummins as an account manager. Um, I would say, you know, my, my passion right now is for, you know, figuring out how to lend my services. I want to make the world a better place. Um, I kind of live by the quote of Gandhi of be the change you wish to see in the world. And that's kind of my compass. Um, so I'm really excited about this platform, thankful for Boomy challenging me always to be a better me and, and come up with cool ideas. And then also really excited to chat with Emily. Um, we met around the same time and just clicked and, you know, happy to see friends come together for a positive purpose. So thank you. Awesome. Emily. Hello, I'm Emily Massingale. And as Holland mentioned, um, I met Boomy and Holland. I'm around a couple of years ago, about three years ago, we all were part of the um, Indianapolis Urban Lakes leagues exchange leadership fellowship program together um it's been really awesome seeing them launch indie black millennials after that um really really seeing them have a vision and a focus and see a wonderful turnout from the community so seeing that they really plug into a need is always awesome um so they're not just about talking they're about action and i love cheering my friends off from the sidelines um, when they're doing that awesome work um, in my day job, I am in education. Um, I went into education because I saw the um, inequitable and social justice issues that are in play in all of our systems really in the US, but really prevalent in the school systems and um, achievement. Um, my current role is I am the director of a drop-off recovery school, so an adult high school that works with students 18 and older that dropped out and want to get their high school diploma instead of a GED. Um, when you break down those statistics, um, African-Americans are overrepresented in that dropout population. Um, and even, even those students who are graduating here um, in Marion County in particular, if you break down that data from our schools, there are significant gaps in the achievement of um, the white students and minority students. And so I'm really passionate about helping to uh, fill those gaps and make sure that all students have that equal education platform. That is awesome. Um, uh, shout out to the Urban League Exchange um, for bringing us together. Because again, um, it was it was a great program that we we're you know happy to be part of, and that's how obviously, like I said, met met you too. So, um, so yeah, let's get let's get into it. You know, um, you guys are watching the news. We've been out on the streets. I, I mean, I've been out there, you know, protesting and kind of like giving voice to those who don't have voice. And um, so, we what's going on right now? Just. What do you guys think is going on? Like, you know, from your point of view, like, what the hell is going on? And, you know, anybody can just take that and we can start with anywhere. Emily, well. Anyone, Emily, okay. <laughs> um, I, th I think that while this is a response to particular incidents right now, it is a, it's a buildup of, right, like 400 years of, um, gross mistreatment of African-Americans in particular and um, 
people saying like, we've got to do something about this. There's got to be change from the top and there's got to be accountability. Um, you know, and it, I think it's heartbreaking to see clips of things that have happened, um, but it's real life also. So while it's heartbreaking, but I think it's real that it is brought to everyone's attention because things like that happen, um, you know, on different levels of the scale every single day to people. And so um, I think that it has been an opportunity to especially from a white person's perspective, right? You know, that I, I see a lot of commentary. Um, I have a lot of different social networks, um, but it is, you know, some white people don't accept that there is white privilege, like that that is even a thing that exists. And so um, kind of gives an opportunity for us to challenge each other and to, to say like, hey, like you say you're colorblind and you don't see color. Um, that's actually not a good thing and um, you know these are these are serious incidents that are happening and it's because of the racism that has been playing out in our systems for generations on generations and um, well I hate it and I, I think it's heartbreaking I think it's really important and it has to be done it has to be spoken up against because um, if we don't speak out against it and try to help more people that are denying it um, understand and accept that it exists then it's, it's not going to change beautiful Colin. Like yeah, that. yeah. No, I think Emily put it together really well. Um, but, you know, I think COVID-19 has forced us to take a hard look at these injustices. And I was telling um, someone the other day, I think it's driven by the fact that now our children are in the homes. Um, you know, all three of us don't have kids, you know, just kind of putting that out there. But when you have children at home, that are at, that are witness you know your parents are working your your kids have cell phones or trying to do e-learning and distracted but then news comes on and they see all these different videos and then they start asking their parents what's going on and so parents um and, and just adults in general are forced to be more accountable to the position and have and vocalize their position now right because it's it's aware we we can't run from it we're not we're not traveling we're not you know at corporate events we're not doing all these things outside the home we are at home watching the tv and glued to our phones <laughs> and so i think that has illuminated the issue um and then on top of that i mean we have we we have a a very interesting um political leadership you know, that leading us, that also is is driving um, some activity, good, bad, or indifferent. And so to Emily's point, built up frustration. Um, I think there's people out there, they, you know, that are also in the mix that are trying to portray negative activity against that um, black community, meaning they're in these rights and protesting, but they're not really to protest against black lives. They're in there to make us look bad so you have that mix um and then i just i think people just are out there because they don't have anything else to do right you know i don't mind it's the devil's playground so it's kind yeah. Of bizarre. Uh, yeah and i think i mean both of you guys said a really great point here um people are just tired you know it's it's not it's not just one incident Right. And I think, like you said, all in with the coronavirus, everybody's stuck in the house. Like, you know, imagine if the world was actually no more before this, maybe the hard cry won't be as much as it was. But people were bored in the house. People are tired. People are in, in front of the TVs. People are connected on social media. Like, I, more than ever, right? Even like white people are getting participating. So it's not just like a black, you know, fight anymore. I think it's just a human fight. And everybody said, this is, this is not okay. Right. I think, for the first time ever, like I'm like, man, this everybody's actually paying attention to this. Like I'm well, looking at my. Go I, I was just gonna say to your point because of the coronavirus and people are protesting, businesses are having to respond because they're being impacted, right? Like Target has to have a response. You're gonna have a response because your building was protesting. Yeah. So now these corporations are having to speak up, and then you have to remind themselves, wait, I'm a corporation, but I have. Black employees, employees <laughs> that are allies, right? Or, yeah. or what we just heard came out. We have pe companies that are investing in Trump's political party. You have Wendy's. You have uh, Sam's Club, maybe out there. Yeah, all these different places, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, go ahead, Emily. As I say, I think that's going to be really important to kind of watch as time goes on. Um, you know, and I hope that all these corporations that are making statements are doing it out of sincerity and not because it's a hot topic right now and because they feel like people are looking at them and there's an expectation. Um, you know, I think it'll be really important to look in the coming months, years. Um, yeah. Are they really following up on that? Like, is there consistency behind those actions? Um, or was it, they were like, ooh, this is this is gonna look, I mean, <laughs> good PR, right? Like, this sounds really great. Um, yeah. So the sincerity will be really interesting, um, I think, in their actions and how it plays out in times to come. Yeah, and really that's, a, you know, that's scary to know that when this is maybe not over, but when this is all died down, how many of those companies actually gonna keep good this going, right? Like yesterday, right? Well on the on the like blackout tuesday you see a lot of these companies like they have the you know have the black image or whatever the black background but like you know are they doing that because if they don't do it their employees are going to be mad about it right are, are you only doing that to check a box what's going to happen you know in about a month or two months from now so that's what i'm going to look for right now i'm not giving any company a credit doing anything right now because that's a good point the, Rumi. that's a yeah, really good point <laughs> yeah because it's the it's the right now it's, it's the best thing you can do right now right right that you have so like you have to do it right because everybody's watching everybody's looking at you right so in a month from now two months from now when the nfl starts or something like that are you gonna be tripping because people are kneeling down to protest the flag or i mean right. to protest right. the police brutality right so again let me not say flag because i know people go crazy to protest police brutality right people are kneeling down are you are these people gonna come out and say oh it's okay let him protest i'm like no 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 you you're protesting blah 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 right so i think uh you, you made a great point it's it, it's gonna look different in the next two months let's just hope people can keep the same energy up to yeah. like oh, no, november during voting as well so but that that's just what i always so add to that so i want to add to that there's been like um farin and posted in a group chat we all know farin um Someone also from the Urban League, but it's been floating around social media. It was like, thank you for blacking out on social media or saying that you care about black lives. Now let me see your leadership board. Like, let me see your, you know what I mean? Like, see, like your CC um, team. Like, let me see your advisory council. Right? So that's great. And I and one thing I've been talking about heavily is there is a difference between being an advocate and being an activist. Right now, everyone is, everyone um, can be considered an advocate. That's easier right now. Because that's being vocal, right? You know, and a, a company can say they care about black lives, and that's great. Like, okay, that's that's the bare minimum. Like you said, you can do. I don't really care. That's kind of like a, oh, you look nice today. Like that's a compliment. <laughs> The next level is activism, which is, are you going to start changing your, um, you know, em employee hiring cycle? Are you going to in implement equal opportunities, advisory council? Are you going to donate to things like the NAACP and the Urban League and create, e those are the, that's activism. Are you, is, your, is your CEO going to start understanding um, more about minority cultures and doing, you know, um, volunteer projects in urban areas. Like that, that's what you, like to Boomi's point, that's what we need to see. Yeah, yeah. But that needs to become the norm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, I think I was, I was listening to, uh, we had this event at work yesterday and we had Elo Kuche, Elo Kuche on there. And one thing, one of one uh, one thing he said was, um, you know, we need all these corporations to start investing in the black community. So like, invest in black business, invest in like black black creators, all of that, right? Because it's easy for you to donate money to a not for profit. Because at the end of the day, they write it off. It's a tax write off, right? So anybody can donate money. But like, what what else are you doing? Are you in, are you like you know intentionally investing into this into this community? Right, that's how you can show your face. Like, oh, are you invested in like like this black HBCUs? Like all the, all of the stuff that needs it. Are you doing that? So, um, but yeah, I think that, that that's a good point. Um, I want to go back a little bit. Kind of rewind back to the first incident that happened. Well, it's not the first, but the one that kind of like shocked me was that uh, the one that the Central Park, right? I think it's Central Park with a lady that called the cops. You know, um, yeah, yeah. So. 
And that just showed you that, you know, she knows what she's doing, right? So that shows you that she knows she has this power. She knows she has this like weapon, like that she, she can call. It's just a phone call away, right? And the fact that she knows that and knows she can use it. And I think that's one of the biggest problem in America that a lot of people don't know that as a black male, I have to go through. You know, anybody can call and falsely accuse me of something before, before I even get to say my side of the story. I might be dead or worse, right? I mean, well, nothing's worse than dead, but like, you know what I mean? Worse than be dead, right? So from you guys' point of view as a woman, thank God you guys are both the females, right? So Emily and Allen, right? From your point of view, like, what do you think, like, how do you view that interaction between both of them, both two individuals? As a white woman, it was so embarrassing that, it, it just disgusting that she would go there I'm a little, and like you said she knew that that was a weapon like right like I mean it, it didn't take her a second to think about it and um, you know her voice just changed and she really sounded like she was scared for a minute and, and just the fact that she could put on such a show um, like thank god there's videotape of that because like you said Boomy there would be assumptions and people would listen to her um, and I just think it is so scary and so sad that someone could have such disregard for other humans like that in, in life for no reason um like, what is the point of that? Like, what expected outcome did she have from that? Besides her entitlement of being like, hey, I'm so privileged. I don't have to follow the park rules. And if anybody, I don't care who they are, tries to call me out on it, like, I'm going to hurt you because you called me out for not following the rules. Like, it, it, to me, it is completely insane and just ridiculous, um, but really embarrassing because, you know, it happens. Um, yeah. You know, I hear stories upon stories about uh, situations like that, that that pop up and I wonder like where people's minds are that they think that that's okay <laughs> and that's appropriate yeah. but you hear so many stories about it that I think that there's a lot of people out there that have absolutely no problem doing that. Yep, yep. I agree. Yeah, I think it was just that was someone's initial reaction. You know how they talk about like fight or flight? And it was like, okay, maybe if your initial reaction were you were scared, you know what I'm saying? Like, because I, I do, I am that person. I try and think through where was the logic, right? So even if you were initially scared and then after though, you see that you're getting scared and their reaction is still calm. They're not threatening you. They're actually bringing out a video camera filming you get upset, filming you get <laughs> And you still are, that's to me, it's like, you, that that wasn't fear, that was hate. Yeah. You, you hated me that much, you know what I mean? And to me, it's like, lady, you have some really, really great acting and you really tried it, but it's, I think out of everything that makes me mad is black people can still have proof. We can still have evidence of saying, here I am, this is him, this is, this is them. I'm just standing here, you know. I go into CVS, the clerk thinks I'm stealing. I'm literally just sitting here. I can't have my hands in my pocket or, you know, um, what was it? The the barbecue that happened and the lady just like wanted to call the cops. And so I just I look at situations like that and I see people who they don't have enough um courage in themselves to address a situation. If she didn't want to talk to him, she couldn't say, I don't want to talk to him. They immediately run and try and call the police. Those are cowards. Yeah. Those are cowards. So I look at that and I'm like, you, you're, you disgust me because you have no courage to try and address like an uncomfortable situation. But on top of that, you're just blatantly just causing havoc for no reason. Like it, it makes no sense. There's people that really do need to call the police lady. And you're like, clogging up the phone lines. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And I think, honestly, yeah, I think people like that should be fine for, like, wasting the police resource on, on I mean, on a stupid allegation, right? And, Ali, you got a great, you got a, uh, you brought up a great point where, I mean, there's a camera in front of you, right? You know, it's being recorded. Like, why do you still doing that, right? Like, people, don't, I feel like, like you said, they don't care. They know that even with the camera, with the evidence, it doesn't matter. The fact that that's a black man. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be good. You know, watching that movie, uh, that show, the Park Five, um, the Central Park Five, right? Like, I cried after I watched all everything, right? And realizing those boys went through all of that without even 
no evidence that said they did it, you know? But but yeah, Emily, what were you gonna say? Sorry. Yeah, I'm saying, and that's what she does with the camera videotaping yeah. her, right? So how do people act when there's no camera? Um, mm. You know, when they, they're feeling even more bold because they think that it is anonymous or behind, you know, not gonna be put out there. Yeah. But I, I look at that, guys, and what, this is the first thing I say. There's like, not, I'm not getting all biblical, but like, there's Bible that says there's nothing new under the sun. So for that lady to react like that, knowing that there have been multiple encounters similar to hers where things start to get recorded and every last person loses their job. Like you lose your job, you get blasted, you people come, like the black community wants to come for you, like put you in, not like hurt you, but like put you in check, like bro, you, this is not, this is not cool. And yet people still do it. So it's kind of like even, that's how you know you have privilege because even knowing the, the repercussions. Yep. Yeah. You still believe that you're above that. <laughs> yeah, even the losing your job part. Like, I, even I don't think. I mean, she's a VP or something, right? That means like, and this is where there's a problem with America, right? Like somebody like her, she's have years to like have money like saved up or have investment, right? So, black people, we cannot afford to lose our job, right? We 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 have to like not do dumb stuff to make sure we can keep our job. So, like you said, right? She's not even worried about losing her job because she know she's gonna be good. She probably don't even need a job, right? So she probably need a reason to, you know, but we can't afford to do that, right? So we have to, we're, we have, we're trained to behave, right? We have to, we have to follow these rules, but, but I, it's, it's crazy. Um, Emily, any last, last point on that before I jump into the next comment? And next. No, I think you guys covered it well. I, I think that she, her entitlement was so strong that she probably <laughs> thought, I'm not gonna lose my job, like. <laughs> Yeah, and just, I, I want to speak on that company before before we go too far. I feel like the company had to fire her because they know that people are going to start looking into them and say, how did you hire somebody like this in your company? Because she's a VP, so I'm sure she probably have like a black employee or she never had one. You know, I'm sure people will start investigating more on the company. So they say, you know what, it's not worth it. Let me just let her go. And, you know, but that was just something I was thinking about. I'm like, I wonder... How many people work there? How many people are black? How many people are in leadership that are black, right? So it's like all of those stuff, all of those questions start coming up and that company said, no, we're not doing it, just let it go. But, but, but to your to, to both your points, like she probably wasn't thinking I'm not gonna lose my job, but that that yeah. is privilege because where do we go? Like, I mean, like Emily, you've heard it from your, you know, friends of color we don't do anything without thinking how is this going to impact the next person of color like if there something pops off the first thing i have to think about is like what is my reaction going to be and is this going to impact me my 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 job my brand or is it going to hurt the next person in front of me so like i've been thinking about the the privilege of awareness right a lot like about you don't even have to you don't have that burden of having to think about if no matter how right I am in feeling a way or acting or responding a certain way, I might need to be careful because it still could have negative repercussions for the next person of color to come. Hmm. That's, 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 that's real. That's, that's definitely real. We have to, uh, you know, I always say we are our brother's keeper. We have to make sure, make sure we don't hurt the next person. Like if you're the first maybe black person a company that's a leader right you don't want to ruin it because you know that they will never promote any of you guys anymore so don't don't mess it up <laughs> don't mess it up for everybody that's right? so true <laughs> so, but that, that's the reality that's something we have to deal with um i want to jump jump a little bit again to the odd topic um with the whole problem that we're protesting about all this riot which uh, we don't obviously we don't support the rioting or anything like that so but at the end of the day you know Things, things, things got to happen that it's just out of people's control. You know, people are just tired. People wanted to, uh, again, I don't want to talk too much about the riot part because it's kind of like overshadowing the message of the protest. Yeah. Um, so again, this protest is needed. Like I think, you know, and I, I, I for the first time in a while, I'm, I'm like, dang man, it's nice to be black for people to actually see what you're going through. Right, yeah. like you have, you know, you have like your white friends that never really understand what's going on. Now they are paying attention, and now they are understanding it. Now, I mean, I went to the protest on Saturday uh, in Indy. Like, I saw a lot of white people there too, Hispanic, 
Asians. So like everybody from different culture just there, just supporting this cause and just wanted justice. Want everybody to understand what's going on. So I don't want this to be the new normal, but what do you guys, what do you, what, what do we need, what needs to happen for us to go back to where justice we don't have to fight to get justice. We don't have to protest every time a, a, a black guy got, a black person got treated wrongly. What do we have to do? What's needed? What's needed from our government? What do we need? What's the next step from for us? Emily, you want to kick it off? <laughs> Ooh, that's a loaded question, Booming. I wish we knew the answer to that. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I think elevating your voices in everyone, like it, this can't be a black people's burden. Right, like th- yeah. this cannot be something that it doesn't impact me direct directly as a person. So it's not my battle. It's not my problem. Like that is never going to help the situation. Um, so I think elevating our voices in any way that we can. I don't think it's not going to happen overnight. I mean, yeah. unfortunately, like people were protesting decades ago, and here we are in 2020, um, still really basically the same issues, right? Like, yeah, we've had laws passed and things like that, but still every day, black people in America are um, harassed, discriminated against, experience racism and devalued. Um, So I don't know the answer to that, but I know it's going to take persistence. And, um, you know, when the protests die down, it it can't stop. So being aware, I think white people in particular, like we have a a responsibility to challenge our white peers to um, acknowledge oppression that we're a part of, um, that you need to challenge them. And so, um, and to teach people about it because people are in different places. And I, I know that from various experiences that I've had, like sometimes it's so frustrating to hear somebody say something really ignorant. You're like, Oh my gosh, I just want to shake them. I want, like that is so ignorant, but that's not going to help them. Cause if you respond in that way, or you respond agitated, they're not going to hear your point. And so trying to think of ways of okay, like almost like a child, like, right. Like, okay, they are not being sensical. This is not logical. They don't get the big picture. How can I break it down to them in a way that they're not going to get it today, but they might, it might spark something that they're like, Oh my gosh, let me look into this or let me think about this. Um, I have been really, um, inspired, I think, by some people's um, responses that I've never seen really talk about social justice or race. I'm saying like, I don't understand at all. um, And I want to understand and what do I need to do? Like somebody tell me, somebody guide me. Um, And I think that's a step, right? Like that is a step that everyone can kind of get on their own path and their own journey um, as a white person to understand what is my white privilege, then acknowledge it and say like, I have this, um, it's real. then to kind of engage, advocate, ally, and you know, like really be a co-conspirator every day, not just um, going to one rally, but um, in their day-to-day lives, their decisions and conversations. Um, I, I think that's really important, but I think we have a really long way to go, unfortunately, until people, people are there. I agree, I agree, Alan. Yeah, I think one thing, Emily, that you said that stood out, um, I heard was ally. And I think if I had to kind of bucket what this question about what will it take to make change, I think it's gonna take more allies. I think it's gonna take leadership and it's gonna take um, impacting the economy. And this is why I say that when I look at the Montgomery bus boycott, we go back, that was, we had um, organ. It was an organized movement, but it took a lot of people. So that was the allies part. And then you had a distinctive leader, right? You had a leader that is speaking out. That's that's helping push the movement. That is speaking to other leaders. But then also, it impacted the economy, right? We were not spending money, and that's the way to get people. Money is green. Everybody wants to agree on that. No matter if you black, white, Asian, Spanish, people want money. People will accept money. And when you start impacting people's money, they will listen. And the Montgomery bus boycott uh, made a dent in how they had money. Like, they were not spending money on the bus anymore. And so when we have these blackout days, blackout Tuesday, and then we have these other areas of the um, movement that we're trying to stop, it starts with not spending in places because once you see that we're not gonna give you money because we don't like, we don't patronize people that don't support us or represent us, 
then they may start listening. They may not they may not like us first. They may not genuinely join the movement, but they'll start listening because they want the money. And that's the current leader that we have in Office 45. He's not going to join it because he cares of black, black people. Like, I got to accept that. But he may care if it hits his pockets. Yeah. So that to me, we might have to flip how we go into it because he's fine with having chaos in the world. He he'll call he he wants to cause a world war three, right? <laughs> yeah. If, if you stop the his check from going to his account or his investments or Trump Towers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I mean both of you guys are in a really great point I think I mean I also I like the ally part you know like you know I, I work at a company where there's not really a lot of a lot of me there right but I'm surrounded with a lot of great allies that can allow me to speak my to- my story that support support us right so we need we need to highlight more than ever because I mean America is not really a country that's 50% black people it's not right you know so we need to we need the ally around us we need we need to change the story. Like I need to be able to go to a neighborhood, like in Indy, I'm just being honest on this on there right now. I don't like going to Fishers. I don't like going to Carmel. I don't go to those places. Cause I don't feel welcome. Every yeah. time I go there, I, I just feel, I, I get treated differently. You know, I, the, people look at me differently. Like sometimes I go to stores or in the neighborhood, like somewhere I'm not sure about, I look around. If I don't see any black people there, I don't go in there. I don't blame you, Boomy, because it's a setup. It's a setup. And and it's scary that, you know, as a black person in this country, we still have to do that. You know, I and some people get upset when we want to do all black only things. But like that's where we feel comfortable. That's why we know that we're not gonna be arrested. We're gonna have a blast, have fun together, <laughs> and we're not gonna be judged by our skin color, right? So I think the high life part is going to be very important. Like if, if I go to karma right now and somebody's treating me bad or something, or somebody looking at me the wrong way, I, I want another white person to stand up and say, hey, dude, what are you doing? Let him be like, you know, stand up and call that person out. That's what we need as an ally. The other part is the leadership part. Um, in this country, honestly, it's like a, it's like a shit show. I'm going to say it right now. It's for the last four years, kind of watching all of this stuff. People that, things I've never seen before. I've been in this country for a little bit. And it's just, it's just surprising. I'm like, I hope we don't have to do this for another four years. Again, just to go vote. I'm not going to tell you to vote for it. I just hope we don't have to do this for another four years, right? But, yeah. uh, <laughs> but so that's, 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 that's where it is. Um, I, I guess one, one thing I wanted to talk about, another thing I want to talk about with the old police brutality and all that, you know, uh, I, I mean, all as you said, one of your friends told you about, you know, hearing my story. Like, I, I've been through this as well as a black male in America, right? And I don't, I hate talking about it just because it's just, it makes me sad that this is where, this is what, this is how police see us as a, as a, as a, as a human being, right? Like I've been, I've been pulled over before back in, I think uh, in college, I, I had a white girl in my front seat. A, a boyfriend was in my back seat, right? I got pulled over and the cop was asking her if she was okay. <laughs> like I'm like, does she does she not look okay? Does she, is she, does she, does she does she look like I me? Mean, she's sitting in the front seat. What do you what else do you want? <laughs> you know, so but like stuff like that happens, right? So I mean for everybody listening, right? I mean I don't I don't, I don't know if cops listen to us, but Emily Allen, if you guys could talk to a cop right now, you know, from it doesn't matter where they're from, I what what would you guys like to tell them directly if you could talk to a police officer right now? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. Um, I, I would start by saying, um, thank you for you know stepping up and wanting to serve our community. Um, being a police officer and a part of law enforcement is not something that I take lightly. You leave your house, you don't know if you're going to come back again. You, um, so I appreciate your service. Um, I would also say I know that all people in the world are not bad, and that also includes all cops are bad. Um, but I also understand no one is perfect, therefore we all have room to grow. And there's an opportunity for you, just like I work at Cummins, you work at Carmel Police Department, there's an opportunity for you to influence and make the world in your workplace a better place. So if you know of areas where you can speak up, be that to a cop, 
be that, um, go, you know, the neighborhood that you are policing and in, in trying to make a positive influ influence and bring down those barriers between communities and law enforcement, please do that because that's needed. Our children need to see what positive reinforcement looks like from the police. Um, and also I would say, you know, have courage to to do the right thing, even when no one's looking, even when there's silence in the black community, your voice is still needed. Um, and you know, I, I that I, I pray for our law enforcement and leadership. That that's that's what I would say. We need we need your voice, even if you are doing things correctly. Somebody is not that your counterpart, and you can be an influence. And we need we need that. Beautiful. I think you put that really, really nicely, Holland. Um, and, and echo that respect for folks that are willing to put themselves on the front line and, and sacrifice um, in their families, because you know that is a different level of worry and fear um, when they go to work. Um, but also, I think realize like, and from my from that is what a lot of Black people feel every time they encounter the police is that same fear. And so, um, I think being compassionate and being the reason that people don't have that fear anymore. Um, I think, um, you know, I think make sure that we know out there there's bad apples kind of make everyone have a bad name and in that we acknowledge and know there are so many amazing cops um, that in law enforcement officers that do amazing things. We were just, um, you know, as a city morning bringing in Leaf and, um, you know, her amazing work and community engagement, like her true community policing and in those relationships she had with those uh, people in her area. Um, and, and, you know, the community was heartbroken when we lost her in the line of duty as well. Um, so not to overshadow that, but I think holding each other accountable. So like Collins, or Holland said, you know, if others aren't doing the right thing, speaking up. And I think, you know, it's accountability. And I think that's what it comes down to. I work in education and I, you know, I've had this conversation with someone today um, and they, you know, we were talking about, uh, you know, everything that had gone on and, and the arrest of the officer with his knee. And I said, you know, I said, here's the thing. He had all these other complaints. If a teacher had mm -hmm. 13 DCS complaints on them, they would not be teaching. And I said, I would not, you know, so I was like, there comes a point where there is a responsibility of the, um, that area that, and, and they said, like, you know, but they're a police officer and like, there's just so much pressure on them. I said, yeah, and there, there's pressure on teachers. And so I have conversations with educators all the time. Like if you get arrested, or if you have a DUI, like you're going to probably be in the news. Like your face is going to be in the paper or it's going to be on social media because you you chose a public service um, job and you, yeah. you take that on with that um, commitment to your field. I said, and police officers are the exact same thing that they are there to serve and protect. And if they are ever putting anyone in danger, it should be just like a teacher that um, mishandles working with youth that there's a very swift and immediate um exclusion from the profession yeah. because it's yeah. not safe and it's not it doesn't it does not define what that role is there for and, and yeah. to that point emily something i've thought about um you know a, a, te a first grade teacher doesn't follow their students they're not the teacher of that first grade class from first grade through to high school or first grade to college a police officer should not be patrolling the same area for, for their first year through 20 years. And why do I say that? Because there's no opportunity for police to see different communities. There's no opportunity for auditing of that to happen, of making sure that proper policing was taken care of. There's also no opportunity for the people in that neighborhood to, un to learn and see a broader police force. So I think it's important that Police and law enforcement, I don't know the cadence, so I'm going to throw it out there. I don't know the facts, but it's important that there is a mixture of law enforcement in different communities, and it's constantly changing, right? It's constantly evaluated so that there's no boys clubs, there's no under-the-table activity um, going on, because the police are not, they're not above the law. And I think that's what we, we as a Black community, we are saying. The police are not above the law. If they go and steal something, does that mean, oh, the police have a hard life? You know, people steal from the police, so they shouldn't have it. No. A teacher should have, just like you said, Emily, if a teacher is teaching, they need to have a mat, they need to have an education to teach somebody. They can't just, yep. get, they just not have the credentials 
or be subject to performance improvement plans or things of that nature. So. Yeah. yeah, I mean, uh, honestly, you guys said a good point. I mean, personally, again, what, I, what I'll tell the cops, you know, definitely we appreciate the work. It's not an easy job. I mean, like not everybody can be a cop, right? Not everybody can reach their life. And so is the guy that go to the war, the military. Not everybody can do those jobs. So we definitely appreciate them, right? Not all of them are bad. Like I've, I've encountered good cops before. Like, like I'm like, wow, you're a cop. Like I've literally, I'm gonna tell the story. And I had this cop pull me over in Speedway, right? I mean, for actually speeding, right? Whatever. And the cop <laughs> came to my car and like, you know, the way I was interacting with him, like I was acting like a robot. Like I had my hands on the wheel. I was like, hey, I'm gonna move to the right with my hand to grab my wallet. I'm gonna I'll literally tell him every step by step of my yeah. action. And then he said, "You don't have to do all all of that." I'm like, "Have you not been watching the news? I don't want to. I don't want you to kill me." It was like, "Wow!" Like you can see his face, and and like, man, all these bad cops are making them look bad, right? So, mm-hmm. it, honestly, he just let me go. He didn't. He didn't. In that, he just said, "No, I just have a good day," because he was so speechless that we have to go through that. But I will, I will point out, and this is just, I would say this to any person, just because somebody is nice does not mean that they're not a bad person. And this is, I mean, you can be sociable, you can be personable, you can do that, but you can still be doing things that are um, opposed to positively influencing the community or, or, or um, putting a ceiling on certain people right behind closed doors. So these men, and, and this is why I say one of the men, the men in this George Floyd, Floyd case um, in 2015 got like an like got an award for you know um, police work, and they said that on CNN, right? So that's what I'm saying. You can be nice, or you can do yeah. nice, and still excuse my language, like fuck up. Yeah, you can make a bad decision. And even though you do 99 things in one bad decision, you are still held accountable to the consequences yep. of that one bad decision. Yeah, I mean, I mean no, no, that's true. But again, I think we uh, we just said that to let the cops know, obviously, we don't think all of them are bad. You know, we want we just want a better trust. We just want to add that trust back. Like, I know a lot of people that would not call the police if something's happening to them. Because the cop would show up to your house, they probably kill you. You know, so, you know, so it's like we need to come together as a nation where we can have that trust, you know, in this in this police officers. I mean, I have, I have, I have a couple police officers that, that like I consider friends that I actually know, like they're doing great things in this community. Right. But it's so hard to be friends with them right now. With what's going on? You know, I'm like, are you outside or your, your people's side? Right. So but we don't we don't they don't have to make that decision. We just need everybody to come together as a person, as a human being and just love each other. Like love conquers all. Like love your neighbor as thyself. I don't want to quote the Bible, but it's it's simple. You know, treat people the way you want to be treated. If you would not treat your brother like your other white cop or white friends with their you know, neck on there, don't do that to anybody else. Yeah. That's all that's all we're asking. I don't think we're asking for too much. <laughs> no, we're not asking for too much. <laughs> we're not. You know, I, I, I don't you're not. <laughs> you know, so and with that being said, though, you know, um, that's all I really have. But I think that in closing, you know, I just wanted to, you know, like close out like, okay, we all the riots going on with all the protests. I know we kind of touched on it a little bit earlier, but where do we go from here as a, as, as a nation? Like when this is over, like how can we say this is over? How do we stop the, the, the protest? Because it's protest is happening every day. Like uh, somebody tested me yesterday and said, oh, how do you know about the protest? I'm like, just go downtown. They all this thing, right? <laughs> so like, protest is still happening, right? How do we, what, 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 what needs to change for us to say, okay, they are listening to us right now. What, what do we need to see as a community to say, okay, these people are ready to make a change? <laughs> it's our question. It's a great, it's a very great question. And I don't know where the, the where the pause button or the stop button is, right? I don't know if we'll wake up and be like, all right, that was the last protest yesterday. All right, you know, everybody go back home, y'all. We good. They don't listen to us. Like, I, I don't I don't know when that's gonna happen. Um, yeah. But but I, I I will go back to my earlier comment of I think it's going to take a high empowered leader to speak and make a stance on 
here is how the country or here's how we need to operate as a people. And unfortunately it can't, it won't stop unless that comes from a white person. Black people are not gonna feel comfortable until a white person declares that this is wrong and we need to do better and they have to be high in power. So to your point with me, I, I don't I don't have an answer. I don't know who that is, but until then things will probably keep getting destroyed, especially if we're in the state of coronavirus where people are just at home. Um bored. Bored, frustrated, and mental and mental at risk, right? People have pent up anger. So I don't know. Yeah. Emily. I don't I don't know. I don't I don't think that I can really speak to it because I think as like woke and engaged in social justice that I wanna be that I still can't even fully understand like the experience that um, that, that you all are, are going through day to day. So um, trying to do my best to support and educate and and rally around and advocate, but like I don't I don't even think that I know like what is the answer like at the end of the day what is needed to um, you know change things for for you all um, yep. so that I, I can like stand beside you and empathize with and you know support you and hate that it's happening but like at the end of the day I still don't fully understand um, what it's like because I because I see it from the outside right and this yep. not directly happening to me. Yeah, no, that, that that that's real. And one other thing I wanted to say, one other thing I wanted to ask before we go. So again, uh, this podcast, Afro United, is to bring Africans and African Americans kind of bridge the gap between us. And even you know, we just actually have to keep having conversation about each other. My final thought, you know, is just like even all the Africans out there, right? I know a lot of Africans still feel like, oh, I'm African, right? This does not affect me because I'm not really black. It's mm. it's a lie. The cops does not see your nationality. They don't care. They they only see your color. They see black. Yeah. That's it, right? And I'm I'm an example. I'm African. I've I've been there, right? So I used to I used to think that way. Like when I came here, I thought, oh, I'm African. I'm good. No, we're not good. So all my, all my African brothers and sisters, like, please, we need to join this fight. We need to start along our African American brothers while they go through this. You know, this is not their fight only. We need to create a better future for our our next generation, right? So that's what I would like to say to my African brothers. Ollie, Emily, I would like for you guys to talk to your own people. You know, so I'll start with uh Emily. Talk to your people. Um you know, I think that if you are a white person and you are trying to understand why are people even protesting, I think you have you need to start doing your research and in, in listening to people. Um, saying that you don't see color is not the answer. Um, that actually makes things worse. Um, we need to see color and we need to value that and respect um, the history that comes with that. Um, a, a few white friends and I, this weekend we made up reading reading list um, because you know we were having conversation of, you know, we have, we have these conversations about race and, and some of our friends are really engaged and really have cared. You know, it's kind of their, part of their lifestyle. They are caring about um, issues of equity. And then there's other people who are like, what, that doesn't happen. Like it's 2020, like people aren't racist. And how do you bridge that gap of the whole spectrum of folks? And so we made a reading list um, that we linked that had just articles or books um, that kind of help people understand um, from the basic level, like what is white privilege um, to more, um, more of a cognitive lift, uh, I would say, as people progress through that through that um, series, and so that um, white allies can help use that list to help refer to people that they know in their life that are wanting to learn more about um, the issues and like understand race um, and the systematic racism that the United States was built upon, um, and how that still impacts people every single day, and it's alive and well. Um, so sharing that with people, um, I think speaking up, like we have to speak up. So if we're complicit when we see things or when we hear things, that is basically saying that you're co-signing on it. Hmm. Um, so I, I think being bold and being able to speak up and, um, you know, making decisions. And when you make decisions, like make sure that you are, um, you know, working with it, with getting perspectives from diverse stakeholders um, and, and making sure that you're not just seeing it from one particular lens beautiful Olive. yeah um i would first say that um 
I'm definitely exercising my faith and my prayer of a higher source to download wisdom, um, not only in myself, but our people <laughs> and our leadership, because it's going um, to take a turn of a heart for people to change. And so I want to say to my, you know, community that I, I see you, I see us, I hear you. Um, I see my black men, you know, when I look at these incidents, I think of my friends, my cousins, um, you know, uncles, I, it could be, it could be any, we could touch one degree, you know, from me. And so yeah. I, I put often put myself in the shoes of those families. Um, I think three, we're going to, every day we may not feel comfortable or have the inner, have a conversation with um, an individual that doesn't look like us to explain where we're coming from. I get that. There are days that I don't feel like explaining how my hair is curling. DNA, sometimes I just don't want to have it. However, there are some people that are just now being awakened in this movement and they have questions and if you can have a conversation engage if that person's being genuine have a conversation it doesn't need to be a 30-minute conversation but maybe you just have a 10-minute conversation and that's you say this is all i can give but you know i encourage black people to have a conversation and be passionate about it but also know that that's a start that's that, that ally and that's being an act, um, being an advocate. And hopefully the Lord will change them to be an ally. I mean, and to be an activist, excuse me. So um, I, I would say that to sum it up, I'm praying for you, have those conversations. They don't have to be long and continue to speak out. We have a voice for a reason. And that's what our ancestors did. And they spoke out, but they were united in being united. And this podcast is called Afro United. Being united is a powerful, powerful thing. No one can take that away from us. Um, there are power in numbers. So um, I don't know what the future looks like, but I'm hopeful that if we can stay united, our voice and our movement will go further. Man, that was beautiful. Um, I just want to say thank you guys so much. I know it was a very hard topic to even talk about. Um, I personally didn't feel very comfortable to even want to talk about it just because of everything that's going on. But I just wanted to say thank you guys so much for your time. And I hope everybody that's listening, you can learn a thing or two from what we just talked about today. Um, you know, go fight the good fight. You know, people are still out there, still don't know what's going on educate people and if you don't if you're not educated go learn something go read a book there's a lot of resources out there that you can learn about you know like privilege learn about white privilege learn about equality equity all of that so with that being said like i said you know thanks for listening everybody everybody that's listening thanks for watching everybody that's watching um don't forget to subscribe to us on youtube instagram facebook um <laughs> myspace Tinder. <laughs> <laughs> but no uh with that being said so that was it that's a beautiful time um and have a good night